they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bowl, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bowl, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, As you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. She left him there for the Lord. Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my victory. There is no holy one like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low, but he also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might does one prevail. The Lord, his adversaries shall be shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. 
He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. So if you know from whence the theme for this little Advent series comes, inspired, for lack of a better word, by Michael Scott of The Office. That's what she said. It may seem more than a little irreverent for these days and this season and for the spirit of what we're supposed to be up to on these Wednesday evenings in Advent. And that is kind of sort of the point. As a punchline for any number of really bad, often wildly inappropriate, sometimes offensive even, jokes. That's what she said. Doesn't exactly lift up women or hold them in high regard a lot of the time. But neither does the history of Christianity, its interpretation of scripture, or the place of women in it. So in addition to being the funniest Advent sermon series title ever, I mean for all of this to be a clever and more serious way to pay some meaningful attention to the role of women in the narrative of the Christmas story. I hope we'll consider them, these women, and learn from them and be inspired by them for whatever they have to teach us still about longing for Jesus, about living in hope, about being faithful, about loving boldly, about sacrificing generously, about responding to God in ways that change hearts and lives and minds, the world even, as each of these women will celebrate do in their own holy, abundantly faithful way. And tonight we're going way back, way, way, way back to Hannah, someone I wager won't make it into the preaching or teaching for most people these Advent or Christmas days. As we just heard, though, as some of you know, Hannah was the mother of the prophet Samuel. She prayed to have a child. She hoped for a baby. She begged for a boy. And it's meaningful to know that Hannah was one of two wives to a guy named Elkanah. Elkanah's other wife was a baby-making machine. She had sons and daughters aplenty. We don't even know how many for sure because it doesn't say exactly. And Elkanah's other wife described as Hannah's rival, was terrible about that fact. She provoked and irritated Hannah, according to the Bible, which I imagine means she mocked her. She made fun of her. She shamed her for not being able to have children as easily or as prolifically as her. Having children, of course, back in the day was confirmation of your worth as a woman. It assured your status and place in a family. It was a very practical source of security. You'd never be lost for someone to protect or provide for you should you become widowed or left alone. Motherhood was an outward, undeniable sign of value for a woman value to her husband, value to her family, value in her community and culture too. A woman's primary job, her main goal, her solitary aim 
and objective in life as far as most were concerned was to have children. So Hannah may have wanted a child, and a boy in particular, because her mothering instincts were in full effect. She also may have wanted a baby because she wanted to make her husband happy. Elkanah had high regard for Hannah, and in spite of the fact that she hadn't given him a child yet. But Hannah may have wanted a child, and a boy in particular, because she longed for affirmation of her worth, confirmation of her value, of her esteem in her own eyes, in the eyes of her God, in the eyes of the world around her, and maybe so she could tell that sister wife of hers to take a hike or something like that. That's why Hannah prayed hard, so much so that Eli, the high priest, thought she was drunk or crazy at first when he saw her praying. But Hannah prayed too, and she bargained intensely with God. She promised God that she would commit her baby boy to a life of sacrifice and service to the Lord. And then it happened. God delivered. And Hannah delivered. And she kept her promise too. Her end of all that prayerful bargaining that she made with God. She loved, she cared for, she fed, she nourished, she nurtured her little boy Samuel until he was able to live without her. And she handed him over to the Lord to live in the house of the high priest Eli and to become then one of the greatest prophets in all of Israel's history. So much like Mary, Hannah was gifted a baby boy she knew she would love, cradle, and care for, and then would ultimately hand over to the service of God for the sake of the world. And Hannah's prayer, a poem or a song set to verse, was prayed in celebration and with thanksgiving for God's answered prayer for the gift of her little boy. And Hannah's song sounds like the original to Mary's cover version so many generations later in the Gospel of Luke, the Magnificat we just heard, and which we will sing over and over again these Advent Wednesdays. In Hannah's song, her heart exults in the Lord. She smiles at her enemies because she rejoices in God's salvation. Similarly, Mary's soul magnifies the Lord, and her spirit rejoices in God her Savior. Hannah says, the bows of the mighty are broken and the feeble gird on strength. Mary says, the mighty are cast down from their thrones and the humble in heart are lifted up. For Hannah, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry are fat with spoil. Mary says the same, but more simply, God has filled the hungry with good things. You get the point. The undeniable similarities between Hannah's prayer and Mary's song of praise, both prayed in response to the news of a promised child, draw a straight line between these women of faith. And I think it shows a profound theological understanding from both of them about their God and ours. A God who treasures and cares for the least among us, 
a God who protects the vulnerable and who challenges the powers that be, a God who uses the least likely suspects to bring justice, to provoke peace, to proclaim grace, to practice mercy, to do hard, holy, brave, beautiful things for the sake of the kingdom, and a God who keeps promises. And I think it implies this straight line between the two of them that Hannah and Mary both knew their scripture and they knew too the stories and traditions of their faith and I believe they passed all of this along to their little boys. In my childhood, whether I knew it or appreciated it or understood it all the time or not, like many of you, I took in the hymns and liturgy of worship, of course. And I hope my boys and the young people around here over the years have done the same. And I heard my mom sing in the choir and lead worship in the praise band and read and pray in worship. And I grew up hearing a lot of John Denver and Anne Murray and Kenny Rogers and Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton, of course, courtesy of my mother, too. And I hope you have similar memories of your own mother's music from way back when. Because I imagine in those early days of nursing and nurturing Samuel before he was offered up in service to the Lord, that he heard his mother's prayer a time or two. That she whispered those words into his ear while he nursed. That she sang them around the fire while she cooked and while he played at her feet that she taught them to her little boy when he misbehaved. Samuel, the wicked, will be cut off in the darkness, boy. <laughs> Don't make me tell you again. And that she comforted little Samuel with those words of that prayer, too, when he needed it most. There is no rock like God, child. He raises up the poor, sweetheart. He lifts up the lowly, baby boy. God guards the feet of the faithful son. Don't you ever forget it. So many thanks to Hannah tonight for her patient faithfulness, for her selfless sacrifice, for her powerful proclamation, for the profound inspiration she must have been for Jesus, even by way of Mary, who certainly knew something of Hannah's prayer and of her faithful response to God's kept promise. Hannah prayed with thanksgiving. Hannah professed her faith. Hannah promised justice. She proclaimed hope. She pronounced God's grace, good news, mercy, and abundance. That's what she said. May we do the same as we wait for Jesus and in all the days to come. Amen.